Amen. Anybody else say amen? Just checking. God is good. Is he? Um, I want you to I want you to say that like you actually meant it. All right? Gary, you are the best. God is good. And all the time. He is. His mercies endure forever. It's good to be with you this morning. I'm Jim Woolams. I'm the director of missions for the Northern Kentucky Baptist Association and the 75 churches in our area. And it's my joy to be with you this morning as a member of this church to fill in for the legend who is L.D. Campbell. And I, uh, he call, I call him the legend. He calls me the bishop. So, uh, uh, but I texted with him this morning. I think he's in Austria or on his way to Austria. And uh, uh, what a blessing uh, our church has had uh, for having L.D. Campbell to preach during this interim period. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. I've... We have been so, so richly blessed. As we begin today, I want to submit to you this, that every gift demands a great response. Every gift demands a great response. God so loved the world that he, he gave. He gave his only son. He gave the best of himself to us, the greatest gift, Jesus. He is the one who brings us not only a promise of an abundant life on this side of eternity, but he also gives us the hope that we have for eternal life to spend it with our Heavenly Father. Salvation, life eternal, greatest gift of all. Every great gift demands a great response. So, what is your response? That's the question I have this morning. What's your response? At the end of this service today, if you have never invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I'm going to invite you to step out and to make Him the Lord of your life and to accept that free gift of salvation that He and He alone has provided and can provide to us. And for those of you who are walking with Jesus, there may be a next step that you need to take in your life. There may be some things that you need to get shed of, that you need to get rid of so that the fullness of God's Holy Spirit can indwell your life. And so at the end of the service today, that invitation is going to be there for you as well. If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. I am breaking in a new Bible I got a new Bible for my 38th wedding anniversary. 38 years, this godly woman has put up with me. And I'll say it again, I am still glad to this day that she has never owned a gun. God's honest truth. Exodus chapter 3. Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw the bush was on fire but was not consumed. 
So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, he answered. Do not come closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this great opportunity to open up your word in this great church. Father, would you speak to us as we've gathered together? Tune our ears to your voice so that we might hear you ever so clearly. Would you turn our hearts toward you so that we might experience the fullness of all that you have for us today? And God, it's to that end that I pray now that you stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my mouth, through these vocal cords, those words that you would have us to hear, the words that you would have me to say, and that which you would have us know and do. May the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, you are my strength, you are my rock, you are my redeemer. And may you receive glory in this place today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I don't know if you are anything like me. And you grew up in church, you have heard this story many times over of Moses and the burning bush. Moses is kind of in a new season of of life. He's got a new perspective on life. But you can't appreciate the goodness that you see here in chapter 3 unless you flip back and you look at what happened in chapter 2 because there is a great deal of tragedy that is encompassed in chapter 2. In chapter 2, Moses finds himself in Pharaoh's house and he recognizes that he, as he's growing up, looks more like the Hebrews who are under slavery than he does in the house of the Egyptians. He begins to identify as he watches day after day more and more with the Hebrew people who are out in the field. A passion for justice begins to develop and, and burn with, within him. And, and he saw the Hebrews time and time again being beaten by the Egyptians in, in the field. And one day he just couldn't take it anymore. He ran out as an Egyptian was uh, putting a whooping on one of the Hebrews, and he got in between them. They got into a fight, and next thing you know, he killed the Egyptian. Then he went and hid the body. The next day, two Hebrews were fighting. He sees them. He goes out to break them up, and he says, Why are you fighting each other? They looked at him and said with sarcasm, Well, what are you going to do about it? You're going to kill us? just like you did that Egyptian? He goes, you saw that? And Moses immediately ran and hid. Now, I don't know what happens with you or how you feel when you get in trouble or you make a mistake, but I know what my five-year-old grandson does. 
when he knows and he hears his name in a certain tone and voice, Elliot, and he knows he's done something wrong and he's busted, all you hear is, because he, the first inclination is, I'm busted, I'm going to run and hide. And I don't know about you, but there's a huge temptation when we mess up to run and hide. Moses ran and he hid the scripture tells us, in, in Midian. And can you imagine what this was like for him? I mean, he was now exposed as a murderer. Pharaoh wanted his life. And Moses is thinking, my life is over. My life is done. And he's ready to throw in the towel. He's ready to give up fulfilling any purpose or any calling that God may have had on his life. And right then and there, we see God reach down by his hand of grace into Moses' story. And he touches him. The hand of grace reaches into his story. How many times has that hand of grace reached into your story? When you've been down, when you've been out, when you've done something that's just so stupid that you can't believe you did it, but you did. And maybe you've run and hid that God reached down His hand of grace and touched you and reached into the story of your life and says, I'm not done with you. I'm not done with you. Now, Moses has gotten, has, has been blessed so much He's found by Jethro's daughter, brought in the community, given a life, given a job, given a wife, a family, brand new start. And I just want to tell you, if there is anyone here this morning who is in a season of hiding because you've messed up, because your life, you feel like your life is filled with missteps, mishaps, and mistakes. And when you feel like that you're just about ready to give up and throw in the towel, I'm telling you, don't do it. Don't be downcast. Lift up your head. Now is not the time to throw in the towel. God is not done with you. If you still got breath in your body, that means you still got purpose in your chest. And God is calling you to more. He is calling you for more in your life. Now I want you to turn around to your neighbor and I want you to tell them, God's not done with you yet. Friends, I, I'm here to declare to you that the God of our salvation is calling you, is calling all of us to more. I don't care how bad you messed out, up, how deep your failure may be, He is not done with you. If he was done with you, and I was talking to Bob about this morning, if he was done with you, you wouldn't have got up this morning. It wasn't the alarm clock that got you up. It was the grace of God. So Moses recovered from all of this failure, and the hand of God reaches back down into his story, taps him on the shoulders, and Moses, hello. And Moses, you know, probably a little startled. God, hey, what's up? Uh, I've got more for you. I've got more for you, Moses. 
well, God, you know, I, I kind of, you know, remade and reshaped and, you know, got a new chapter in life going on and, and, and everything. You know, you know, God, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I, I don't know if I want more. Listen, friends. God calls you to more, not just out of your failure, but sometimes he calls you to more out of your comfort. See, one of the biggest things I believe that is a threat to us, that to keep us from God's greater purpose in our lives, is, is not our failures, but it's our comfort. Because you get so comfortable in life, and you get so comfortable maybe even with this, that we miss the moments where God is speaking, and He has more for you. I've said it before, if you've been a follower of Jesus for very long, you have become so comfortable with being saved that you've forgotten what it's like to be lost and far from God. And listen, if you ever thought for a moment that comfort was the goal of following Jesus, then you need to open this up and read it again because Although he does promise to comfort us in our times of need, there is nothing here that promises us a comfortable life. Following Jesus is not always comfortable at all. It's challenging. And God comes to disrupt the comfortable because he wants to bring you into the kingdom because he has more for you. He has a greater purpose for you. Now's not the time to get comfortable. Now, there are three things that we learn from Moses as he answers this call. And as he answers this call, it was a call that would ultimately transform the entire history and the nation of Israel. So this is a huge pivot in the story. And here it is. And you've got a little, uh, uh, you know, you, you've got a, a, a handout here this morning, you know, with a, a message, little notes here on the back. If you take it, I just, I'm going to give you just a few words, but write these down because I think you'll want to remember them, and it might be helpful to you to share with someone else. Here's the first thing. Here's the first lesson. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. Now turn around and tell your neighbor, don't get distracted. Moses could have been easily distracted. He really could have. You mean to tell me a burning bush is normal? I, you know, a, a bush that's burning, but not burning up. I don't know about you, again, with a person of my age and body type and so on, I would be running as fast as I possibly could the other way from that. Moses, on the other hand, he walks right into it. He steps into it. We've got to be careful not to allow ourselves to be so comfortable and even new things to cause us to be so comfortable and distracted that we miss this divine invitation to more. The bush is burning. Now, oddly enough, I thought the bush catching on fire was a miracle. All right. Uh, I, and I love that Moses doesn't run away. Uh, he doesn't allow the comfort to distract him, but instead he walks into this invitation. Much in the same way that Jesus came down from heaven, and he saw the, the chaos of humanity. And it would have been well within his right to 
to absolutely throw us into eternal condemnation and judgment. But he didn't do that. Instead, he put on flesh. He lived among us. He tickled us with his love and his grace. And then he hung and he bled and he died on Calvary's cross. And when he got up, he got up with power. He got up with resurrection power. And he pulled us near with salvation. He kissed us on the forehead with redemption. And he whispered the sweet love of the gospel. I love you. And there's not a thing you can do about it. I love you. And there's not a thing you can do about it. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand this morning, friends. The loving Father, the creator of all things, is inviting you into a divine relationship where He will intentionally take you deeper. He loves you, and there's not a thing that you can do about it. (laughs) Every great gift demands a great response. Some of you, God is calling to that next step in your faith, in your walk with Him, in, in your surrender of your heart to him. But you're distracted. You may be distracted by all kinds of things. It could be your job, it could be relationships, it could be fear. It could be your own comfort, convenience and the illusion that you're in control. Most of us are distracted by all kinds of little things that just don't matter in eternity. They don't matter. Don't miss the invitation for the greater because you settled for the lesser. Don't miss the invitation for the greater because you have settled for the lesser. Don't miss this divine invitation for more by being distracted by things that have absolutely no eternal significance. So that's the first thing we learned from Moses. As you consider this call to more, don't be distracted. Say it with me again. Don't be distracted. Now the second thing we learn is, and I love this, I love this. The bush, it's on fire, and and the bush starts speaking. And the first thing God says through the bush to Moses is, take your sandals off because you're standing on holy ground. He wanted Moses to understand that you need to take off your shoes. That means you need to remove the thing that's in between your flesh and feeling the power of my power. You need to take off those things that are in between your flesh and feeling the power of God's power. Now, I think one of the worst mistakes that we can make is getting so familiar and so comfortable with God that we just walk into His presence figuratively with our our shoes on. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, when we don't take time We come into his presence and we don't look into our own hearts and we don't take the time to confess and surrender and remove things that get in the way of us feeling and experiencing the fullness of his power, then we're missing. We're missing out. We become so familiar and so comfortable that we have forgotten what it is to come into the presence of a holy and sinless God. We need to come with a heart and a 
desire that says, God, I am so desperate. I am so dependent upon you to provide for me. God, you are my source. God, you are my power. You are my strength. And God is saying, look, if you want to accept this invitation and be moved and be called to more, you've got to take off your shoes so that you can feel the sovereign power of God and His provision for you. You are standing in His power, not your own. And the other thing that He wants us to realize is this. Now Moses, where have you been walking? Now, I don't know about you, I grew up on a farm, and you've got to be careful where you're walking. Because you may be walking along, and, and if you're not careful, you step in something. And then you step it, and, you, and then you walk around with it, and you track it, and it goes with you. And you know what? When we do that figuratively and spiritually, when we come into the presence of God, we're walking around. And I, I think what God is saying here is Moses... I don't want the dung that you've stepped in in your past. I don't want the dung of your past to be tracked into the destiny that's your future. I don't want you tracking stuff into your life that you've stepped in your past. I need you to take off your shoes and surrender and leave those things behind because you don't need to be tracking that mess into your future. I've got more for you. Take off your shoes. Clean them all. There's so many things that come between us and God. Sometimes it's unforgiveness. Sometimes it's a, it's a root of, of bitterness. Sometimes, as I said earlier, it, it's about taking off this air of arrogance that we are in control and not God. What are the things that you need to take off? What are the things that need to be removed from your life that are literally hindering your heart from fulfilling and experiencing the powerful presence of God's Holy Spirit? You need to take them off. Take off your shoes. See, sometimes we leave those shoes on, we become so hardened, and we become callous and comfortable and casual, so much so that we don't Feel the movement and the presence of the Spirit of God stirring among us. There was a time that you might have felt a conviction of your sins and it, it brought you to tears. It brought you to your knees recognizing that you've sinned and fallen short of God's glory and you need His forgiveness. You need Him to cleanse your heart. Some of you have been broken by failure, by, by sin. But now you've gotten so used to walking around in that brokenness that you've lost your tears of regret and repentance. I mean, when is the last time your heart was so broken over your sin, over something that is standing between you and the Holy Spirit of God that you were broken and you were sent to your knees or it brought you to tears? When's the last time there was someone that you loved, that you loved so very, very much, a friend, a family member, and so on, that you know is lost and far from God and is going to step in? If something happens to them, they're going to step into an eternity, but they're going to step into an eternity without God, and that's hell. When's the last time your heart was moved to cry? Tears of repentance your own sinfulness, or 
on behalf of others that you love. Some of us have become so closely acquainted with sin. We've gotten so used to being a distance from, just kind of close to, but you know, kind of arm's length away from the Spirit of God that we've become comfortable with walking around with our shoes on. So much so we don't feel God's power anymore and we are living our lives as though we don't need Him. God says, Moses, if you're going to come into my presence, I need you to take your shoes off so that you can feel that I am God. I am the great I am. I'm in control and you're not. I'm God and you're not. I need you to feel the power of the sovereignty of the holy ground that you stand on. I need you to have this moment of awe and reverence because not many days from now, Moses, you're going to be standing in those same feet in front of Pharaoh. And when you stand in front of Pharaoh, he's going to be big, he's going to be intimidating, and I don't need you to run like you did the last time. I need you to stand knowing that your God is bigger and that all power is in His hands. Can I get an amen? Oh my goodness, folks, you're all making me work way too hard this morning. I need you to stand. I need you to stand and be reminded of how big your God is, how awesome your Father is, how great your Father is. I need you to recapture the awe and wonder of seeing the great I Am exude His power and His glory in your life. I heard a story about Diane Disney, the daughter of Walt Disney. She wrote a book about growing up in the Disney household. She says it was pretty normal. And it was so normal that when she went to grade school, first grade, and she had to introduce herself from, for the first time, she stood up and, and said, Hi, my name is Diane Disney. And the class immediately started clapping and laughing and, and, and reacting. And she didn't know what to do. She was so caught off guard. She, she literally is moved to tears. And the teacher said, Diane, Diane, what's wrong? She says, they're laughing at me. No, no, sweetheart, they're not laughing at you. They're happy for you. She said, why? Why in the world are they happy, with, happy for me? I just said my name is Diane Disney. Her teacher said, they're excited for you because of who you are. What do you mean? She said, well, isn't your dad's name Walt? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Walter. Walter Disney. Yes. As in Disneyland? Yeah. Oh. I had no idea. That day when Diane, she wrote, as she marched home, she was furious with her father. He was sitting reading the paper when she stormed into the house and said, you didn't tell me that you were Walt Disney. <laughs> and she wrote, I was in awe of my father for months and months after that. <laughs> Burlington Baptist Church, your father isn't the creator of Disneyland or Disney World, but he's the creator of all. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And we ought to be excited when we come into His presence. We ought to come with a sense of anticipation 
at how great our Father is. He's a healing Father. He's a delivering Father. He is a saving Father. He is a loving Father. He's a kind Father. He is a good, good Father. Be in awe of Him. Listen, I can hear people saying, you just don't know. Jim, you, you, you just don't know. You don't know how deep my problems are or how dark my past is. You don't know all the stuff that I've done. You don't know about all my mistakes, mishaps, and all of that. Look, I'm not here today to minimize your problem. I'm here to try to help you to maximize your God. He's a good, good father. Take your shoes off. Be reminded how great he is. The first thing we learn from Moses is don't be distracted. Second thing is, take your shoes off. And here's the third thing. Moses moves. Moses moves. When he could have walked away, when he could have run away, he stepped up. And he stepped into this invitation for more. And I want you to notice here, if you, if you read carefully here in chapter 3, you notice that God did not speak until Moses moved. God did not speak until Moses moved. Now that speaks to me. Not only have been married this month 38 years, but 43 years ago, uh, I began as a youth minister at age 17. And so I've been in the ministry for 43 years now. That doesn't seem right. But I want to tell you, over the course of those 43 years, I have been in so many rooms like this, some smaller, some bigger. And sometimes <laughs> just felt just waiting on God to move. Just waiting on God to move. And sometimes I wonder if God is not looking at us and saying, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you to move. Don't you remember what he said to Malachi when it came to his treasure? Look, test me and prove me and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing on you that you will not be able to contain it all. That's the kind of God we serve. And he's waiting. I think God's moved. He's waiting for you to move. You need to make a move. Don't be distracted. Take off your shoes. Make the first move. As the praise team comes, I want you to get ready to move forward down these aisles as we're going to have a time of invitation to this altar, to these tables. There are the elements here that are set aside. You have, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you've never invited him to be your Savior and Lord in your life, then I want to invite you to step out as we sing this morning. I'd love to pray with you. Kevin will be here to pray with you. There will be others as well. But today may be the day that you take that first step. Repent of your sins. Own it. Confess it to a good, good father, to a Savior who says, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it.
For others of you, there may be a next step that you need to take. There's something that's blocking you in your walk with God. There's something between you and God and the fullness that God has for you that He has not done with you. Maybe you're here today and you feel like you're under attack and going through the hard time. I want you to hear this word. There is no weapon formed against you that you'll be able to prosper. You may feel like the enemy's coming after you, but I want you to hear God's word say, the greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. The fact is you may be tired and you are ready this morning to just throw in the towel. I want you to hear this. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They will walk and they will not faint. They shall run and not be weary. The fact is, you may have been crying yourself to sleep because you are broken over any number of things. I want you to hear God's word. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen. Today he wants to pull us near with salvation. He wants to kiss us on the forehead with redemption. And he wants to whisper the sweet, loving message of the gospel in your ear. I love you. And there's not a thing you can do about it. Every great gift demands Burlington Baptist Church, God is not done with you. He's calling you to more. So get up on your feet, take off your shoes, and walk in the calling that He has for you to more. Take the next step, more of His love, more of His mercy, more of His grace. You have a new pastor coming in next week. Let him walk into a people who are in revival because they are stepping up and stepping out and ready for God to do something greater right here in this place. Get ready for more. Again, the elements of communion are here for you to rekindle, to confess your sins today, and remember the sacrifice that He's made on your behalf. Every great gift demands a great response. What is your response what is your response today to Jesus, to this great invitation, to this moment, and this call for more? Stand together. You come as we sing.